Well, good morning. Before I jump just directly into our message for today, um, let's just take a moment. I know we've covered uh, the service in prayer, and but um, I just need a little centering moment and ask the Lord just to kind of take over this time uh, that his voice would ring loud and true. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for a year of this journey called resurrection. Father, I pray that uh, the words of my mouth, the scriptures that we're going to dive into, Father, I pray above and beyond everything that your voice would speak loud and clear. Where I will say it incorrect, Father, I pray that you would speak uh, your truth as only you have in a way that only you can to each and every single person in the room today. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. We started a new series last week, looking at the life of Daniel, talking about serving God in exile. And we, we uncovered this, this parallel between Jesus' final instructions to his disciples and then the operating systems and, and just this story of uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as they are taken from Jerusalem and, and taken into captivity in Babylon. And so we're going to continue that story today. And again, our, our verse this morning that Alan read for us is from Matthew. So that, that's a few verses down from what we read last week, but a continued uh, directive from Jesus to us. And so as we learn how to live, how to develop strength, tools, discipline, to live in exile as followers of Jesus, we came across these three rules from last week. One, your circumstances don't define your identity. Two, how you obey God matters. We talked about obeying from a place of my rightness or obeying from a place of God's righteousness. What's going to be put on, on display for people as we obey because both are possible. And we said, often I, I obey from a place of wanting to prove my rightness and not showcase God's righteousness. That was rule two. Rule three, your gifts, talents, and skills are God-given for use where? In exile. We can't hold our breath as believers and just say, one day. We, we do wait for glory. We'll say one day for when Jesus returns. But if we're waiting for the world around us, for Babylon to, to all of a sudden be like, you know what? You are gifted and skilled and called. It will not happen. We were given those gifts, those skills, those talents for use in exile. Today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 2, the continuation of the story uh, from last week. And we're going to be discovering how God makes the impossible possible. Even in exile, God makes the impossible possible. There's a lot of scripture, so quick recap, and then we're going to chew through a whole brick. I, cons I condensed it as much as possible. I know there's a lot going on, but it is what it is. So again, last week we discovered Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah taken captive from Jerusalem into Babylon. They are placed into the king's, um, 
not guard, but his advisors. They're in a three-year training period in Babylon where after three years, they're going to be placed in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and they will be one of his many, And as you read the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of different things that were astrologers and, and, uh, and his kind of his cabinet, his, his brain trust, if you will. And so that's where Daniel and these other three gentlemen are preparing to join And then we pick up in Daniel 2, starting in verse 1. One night during the second year of his reign, sorry, real quick, second year of his reign, have they eclipsed the three years yet? No. I don't don't know if it matters, but it was just a cool little side note. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called all his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. There's his brain trust. And he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. He said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you do not tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. I think it is safe to say Nebuchadnezzar is asking for the impossible. And in in that system, in, in that hierarchy, he's the king. He gets to ask for the impossible. Doesn't make it right, just what he gets to do. Let's continue reading. Starting in verse 10, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. So his astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream and no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream and they don't live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, Men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. So not only is King Nebuchadnezzar asking for the impossible, his impossible ask has placed Daniel in an impossible situation. Daniel did not create this impossible situation. This is not the result of Daniel's poor choices. Anyone ever feel like that sometimes? You're like, I wasn't even there. Why is, this, why is this overflowing on me? But is in this moment, you guys, the response from the astrologers, the decree of the king, it is in this moment that Babylon is forced to admit that it doesn't have an answer. There will always be moments where just like the astrologers, they have to say, what you're asking for is impossible. What you require and what you are imposing upon me is impossible. Let's continue reading. This trickles down to Daniel and this this guard named Arioch. Starting in verse 14, Arioch comes to get Daniel and the other three. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom 
and discretion. So what did wisdom and discretion look like? He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested one more time or requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Daniel responds to this impossible situation being forced upon him, his life on the line with wisdom and discretion. And and in that verse, we find out what wisdom looks like. Wisdom looks like asking questions. He asked Arioch, what's, what, hold on a second. What is going on here? Give me the context. And when he gets the context, what's his next move? To go to the king who just told all of his own people, I'm gonna rip you limb from limb and turn your houses into rubble. And if, again, reading in those verses, if you don't tell me now, and Daniel says, can I have more time? Wisdom and discretion for Daniel in this moment look like asking questions. And asking questions, and this is just what we know, asking questions, it, it requires a level of humility. Daniel's wisdom and his discretion was rooted in his humility because what Daniel understood is what the astrologers, enchanters, and magicians didn't understand. So for, for them, the impossible, the limitations that they had equaled failure. It equaled this will not happen. And when Daniel came up against his limitations in his humility, he asked questions. He went and asked for more time because what he saw was an opportunity. And he didn't have to have the answer, the strategy, everything right in that moment. The only thing he had was a faith that he might not have the answer. He might not be able to meet this impossible ask, but that he served a God who did. And again, just for time, I invite you this week, go read all of Daniel 2 because the interaction in the back and forth is amazing and it's intricate. But what you find out in verses 29 through verses 45 is that Daniel takes that time the king gives him. Imagine that when you ask in humility for more time instead of just telling somebody that what they're asking for is impossible. And he goes before the Lord with Hananiah, with Mishael, with Azariah, and he says, pray with me. Let's ask God to reveal this thing that is impossible. And they go and they pray, and the Lord reveals it to Daniel. And then you'll read, as you read Daniel 2 this week, the the prayer of praise that Daniel gives the Lord. And it's beautiful. And I wish we had more time because I could probably preach a whole message just on that one prayer. But he then takes the answer after giving God all the credit and goes before Nebuchadnezzar and says, here's what your dream was. And it wasn't like you liked the color blue. (laughs) Read in Daniel 2. Specific, intricate. Only God could could have matched these two things up together. Not only tells Nebuchadnezzar his dream, but also gives him the interpretation of the dream. In the entire time, Daniel is saying, the God who I serve has revealed this. The God who I serve has revealed this. 
O Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. The God who I serve has revealed this. And we're going to skip way ahead up to verse 14. Nope. 47. Like I said, read Daniel 2. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar's response is after all this plays out. Y'all ready? This is my favorite part. The king said to Daniel, truly your God is greater, is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to high positions and gave him valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. Babylon just bowed down to Yahweh. The king, all-powerful, able to command anything and make it happen, just said, this God is the real God. And it didn't come from a prideful, loud Daniel. Because again, rule four, humility is required if we want to see the impossible made possible. Because our humility is what makes way for Yahweh to show up and do the thing that no one else could do. Yet so often we operate out of our pride. And I I just, I want us to take a second here. In our pride, believers, pastors included, and I'll even say pastors especially sometimes, take earthly wisdom, take the wisdom of Babylon, and try to wrap it up and make it holy with some quotes and some scriptures, and then present it to the, to the systems of Babylon as solution and as God. And then it falls flat on its face because of our pride, because of our inability to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to poverty. But I believe I serve a God who does. I don't know the answer to racism because man's heart is just abundantly wicked. But I believe I serve a God who does. I don't have the answer for war and heartbreak. And just, you name it, these things that are just permeating and and infiltrated into our, our lives as exiles in Babylon. And we keep trying to take Babylon solutions, wrapping them in, in a scripture, or baptizing them in something, and offering them back to, to, to Nebuchadnezzar as a solution. They fall flat on their face, and then we wonder why Babylon doesn't do what Nebuchadnezzar did. Why the, why the earth and the world doesn't bow down and say, Yahweh is God. He alone could reveal these things. He alone has the wisdom to meet this need where it's at. And I believe it is in part because the people of God have lost rule for 
that the impossible gets made possible when we operate in humility and we're humble enough just to say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But I know who does. It's either that or we just simply don't, we don't believe that God can truly, either he doesn't care to or he can't. Step into the systems of this earth, into the impossible ask of Babylon, and radically turn the thing around. Guys, it, it, it might be a pride thing that we think we have the solution, so we lack the humility. It, it might just be a faith thing, you guys. Because if we don't believe that God can use us while in exile, the time will come for us to speak that wisdom where Babylon will have no solution. The earth, the governments, the kings, the systems will have no solution. They'll be at their wit's end and it will be the time for the people of God to rise up and say, I don't have the answer, but I know who does. Can you give me a minute? If we don't have faith that God can actually do that, then we'll repeat the same process over and over and over again. And we'll miss seeing what we see take place in Daniel's story, which is that Babylon bows down to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Whew. I, listen, we do this church thing so that we can encourage each other in the faith. We dive into scripture because it shapes and molds us. I want you to walk from this place with a faith, just a mustard seed more than what you walked in with, that this is possible. This is possible. And then we come back to Jesus' instructions in Matthew 10. Let's read this passage again. But do not be afraid of those who threaten you. Whew. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What do we, what do we shout abroad in daybreak? What he tells us. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. As the church, our lung capacity and vocal cords are well-tuned. We are no stranger to shouting. We don't mind rooftops. We love daybreak. But what are we shouting? Are we shouting a, a, an earthly wisdom wrapped in, in a couple of scriptures that don't have the power to change and bring kings and kingdoms to their knees? Or are we shouting... I don't know. But I believe with my core of my being, my God does. Let's pray.
Lord, we surrender to you. Father, we repent for our pride. Jesus, we, we ask that your grace would, be, would just be made known in each of our lives in this very moment. Father, may, may we not get up from these super comfortable seats and head out the door and into the next part of our day. Father, may we not just leave from this place without just maybe a, just a fraction of us change and just to say, I believe God can do it. And I believe that I don't have to have the answers right now. Father, we thank you for scripture. We thank you that time and time and time and time and time again, you have made yourself known to the earth, to Babylon. You have brought Babylon to its knees. And as we live out these days in 2023, as we see the, the climate of culture and wars and poverty and, and just the brokenness of humanity, Father, we hold true we speak to our soul, wake up, rise up. The king is here. He longs to speak things that are hidden so that we can shout him from the roof.